From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, I told you it was coming. The media is blaming the deadly winter storms on global warming. The AP headline this morning, climate change. U.S. needs to brace itself for more deadly storms. We'll talk about it with Cal Beisner of the Cornwall Alliance. And more criticism of President Biden's muddled statements on China in the CNN town hall meeting earlier this week. We'll talk with Florida Congressman Mike Waltz, who has introduced a resolution in Congress calling on the U.S. to boycott the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing because of China's repressive actions violating basic human rights. We'll talk with him in just a moment. Also, we talked about this a few weeks ago. To be on the lookout, parents, for the left's new civics in America's classrooms. Well, here it is. The school administration in Hillard, Ohio, told teachers to instruct and direct students to lobby. That is lobby. That's what they were spending classroom time doing. Lobbying Hillard City Council to pass a controversial sexual orientation and gender identity bill that would force public restrooms and battered women's shelters to be opened up to men if they identify as women. Aaron Baer, president of the Center for Christian Virtue, joins me later here on Washington Watch. And George Barna, director of the Cultural Research Center, is here with an interesting look at the worldview of those who voted for Joe Biden. Now, how many of them believe in absolute truth? Where do they stand on the Bible? Well, I think you'll find those answers enlightening. That's coming up later on this edition of Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you'd like to stay in touch with us to know what's going on, text the word STAND to 67742. Now, I've been giving that out, and uh, you probably heard it and didn't think much about it. But look, what's happening on social media, where they are canceling conservatives, blocking conservative thought and speech, we've got to be prepared to communicate. Now, we're pretty safe space here on Christian radio, about 800 stations across the country. That's good. Uh, for now, the left's not able to take down Christian radio, but who knows what they're going to try to do. It's unbelievable, the censoring of speech that's taking place in this country. So we've got to be prepared. You need to know what's going on and be able to take the appropriate actions. So text the word STAND to 67742. That's 67742, the word stand. All right, we talked a little bit about this yesterday with Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, but I want to revisit it because others now are picking up on this. I want you to, this is a clip from the town hall meeting on CNN where the president was asked about his China policy and about the Uyghurs in particular who are being repressed would be, well, I mean, that would not completely paint the picture. Um, the BBC, uh, as we made reference to yesterday, had a story of how they, they are being sexually abused, raped uh, in these concentration camps. It's horrific. And, and I want you to hear President Biden's response to the question about what America should do as it pertains to the Uyghurs and his conversations with the Chinese president. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of, of uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country and they, their leaders are expected to follow. 
What did he say? Actually, I'm not quite sure. Joining me now to talk more about this and the actions that he is taking to extract the United States from supporting China is Congressman Michael Waltz. He represents the 6th Congressional District of Florida. Congressman, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, Great to be on with you. Now, Congressman, you have uh, introduced a resolution in Congress uh, basically stating that the U.S. should... Uh, if 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 the Olympics, the Winter Olympics in 2022, are not moved from Beijing, that uh, America cannot, in good conscience, participate in this because this is giving legitimacy to China that has a horrific record when it comes to human rights. Yeah, that's that's right. And and Tony, this isn't this resolution and this call for a boycott isn't just coming out of the blue. Uh, I want to be clear on that. Uh, uh, my colleagues, Senator Rick from Florida, uh, former Speaker Newt Gingrich, and others have been demanding that the International Olympic Committee rebid the Olympics and move them out of Beijing uh, for uh, well over two years. And they have been met with a resounding silence. Uh, the IOC refuses to engage on the issue uh, in violation of their own moral standards and their own uh, code of ethics. And so at this point, with the Olympics only 11 months away, I mean, we're talking about right next year, February of 2022. I don't think we have a choice. I hate it for the athletes, but I cannot see, I cannot stand for uh, rewarding Beijing and Z uh, after they have unleashed the coronavirus on the world, two million plus dead and counting, uh, covered it up. Doctors disappeared that tried to sound the alarm. Journalists disappeared that tried to to blow the whistle on this thing. Wouldn't allow our investigators in. Still won't share relevant data with the World Health Organization, which they've completely corrupted. And then on top of it, as you mentioned, uh, the genocide that's ongoing as we speak, with videos now being smuggled out of the Uyghurs on their knees, blindfolded, being loaded onto rail cars and sent to concentration camps, where they're forced into slave labor. There is mass uh, sterilization of their women uh, going on, uh, the mass rapes, that uh, systematic rape campaign that the BBC, which has since been thrown out of China for their report. Uh, How can we in good conscience reward Beijing uh, with that ongoing as we speak, not to mention Hong Kong, Tibet, and I don't want to lose sight of the fact the ongoing persecution of Christians uh, that has been happening now for years uh, how, how can we, in good conscience, reward Beijing with a global platform and spotlight for them to continue to whitewash these atrocities and spew their propaganda? I think you are absolutely correct, Congressman. And I will say you're not alone. Uh, last May, um, as I serve on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, I'll just make reference to that uh, for a moment. Uh, as I was the chairman, in our report last year, we actually called upon Congress and the administration, the Trump administration at the time, uh, to not participate mm-hmm. in the 2022 elections for that very reason. Uh, so this has, and that's a bipartisan commission, so there's bipartisan support uh, for not giving legitimacy to China and allowing them, as you right. said, basically to whitewash a, a horrific in fact, they're at the top of the list of abusers uh, of human rights and suppression of religious freedom in the world. I mean, they're right up there with North Korea. 
You know, that's right. And Tony, uh, I'm a Green Beret, uh, 24 years and still going in the National Guard. I've served in difficult places all over the world. And for Biden to stand on national television and create this kind of moral equivalency, well, they do it their way and we do it ours, I think is really telling. Uh, uh, You know, this is Obama's third term where it's about managing the American decline rather than asserting forcefully when needed our leadership. Uh, and, and to say that there's some kind of moral equivalency in terms of our values uh, is, is just really appalling, frankly. I mean, we are talking about basic human rights, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion uh, that are being abused all over China as we speak. Uh, if you are not a Han Chinese, then you are a second-class citizen and treated horribly there. Uh, and so I think it's really telling in terms of how you know he, he's talking a bit of a tough game out of one side of his mouth, but then there's this moral equivalency out of the other side. Uh, and you know the United States needs to make a stand. We need to continue to lead in line with our values uh, around the world. And the last thing I want to see after you know the devastation that China has unleashed on this country with this pandemic is the American flag flying in Beijing. Uh, and and again, as you know. Uh, President Xi repeatedly in speech after speech talks about replacing the American dream with the China dream and their form of government around the world. Uh, and, and the last piece, uh, you know, I want to be sure I get this in, is that American corporations, corporate America in many ways is absolutely complicit, uh, whether yes. it is Nike or NBC You know, the social justice that they demand in the United States, I guess, doesn't apply when they're making billions on the backs of slave labor uh, over over in China. And enough is enough. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was a point that uh, needed to be made because American people can participate in this process. We don't have to wait for the Olympic Committee or the United States Congress to take action. Consumers in America can act as well by not buying the products from these companies that are benefiting from this slave labor. That's right. Well, you know, and recently, and we we cite this in the op-ed that I I just put out on it in the Washington Examiner, that that a leading think tank in Australia cites that 80 international brands in one way or another are benefiting from the slave labor and from the atrocities that are coming out of China. And I would ask everyone that's in line with our values, when you see made in China uh, on, on, you know, on that label on the back of some product, put it back. Uh, we we yeah. can vote and we can speak out uh, with pocketbooks and with our wallets. Uh, again, that manufacturing needs to be right here in the United States. Uh, and in the cases where that doesn't make sense, then then maybe with our allies in Australia or Malaysia or what have you. But what the coronavirus has shown us is the dependencies, uh, whether it's masks or PPE or pharmaceuticals or rare earth minerals that we have now in China. Those things are a national security issue. And the Chinese have done it deliberately. The left is talking about green energy and moving to green power. China's gobbled up 90% of the world's lithium that makes the batteries, right? So, I mean, we just need a wake-up call uh, to what's going on here. This is the greatest adversary we have ever faced in our history because they have us addicted. They have politicians, our corporations, and our sports enterprises addicted to their money. Uh, And meanwhile, they're marching forward to be the global leader and replace the United States. And the foreign policy approach that Joe Biden articulated the other night is, as you said, it goes back to a third Obama term, but it's, it's the strategy of lead from behind. 
this idea of right. moral equivalency is this global view of the world that we're just another house on the block. There's nothing special about yep. America. Therefore, yep. we should not lead when it comes to such basic things as fundamental human rights of religious of religious freedom and other freedoms articulated in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights that we helped art, we helped uh, write yeah, back in 1948. Right. No, that's right. I mean, there's fundamental things that we're seeing come back that underscore their approach to the world. One is that America is much as the problem as it is the solution, right? Uh, and that we cause as many problems abroad uh, than we solve. So let's let's pull back. Uh, and number two is we're not exceptional, all right? There, there's this kind of moral equivalency with these various dictatorships. Uh, and then and then number three, if we're only nice to them. They'll be nice back to us and be nice to their own people. And you see that in their approach to Iran, to Cuba, to Venezuela, to China. Not how it works. We've <laughs> been trying that for 20 Not reality. No, we've been trying that with, uh, with China over almost a quarter of a century, and it has not worked. In fact, the only thing it's done is caused corporate America to adopt their values. That's what's happened. That's right. Congressman Waltz, right. thanks Thank so much you. for uh, joining us. We want to continue to track this topic and look forward to talking to you uh, again real soon. Absolutely. We'll keep up the fight. Thanks so much. All right. All right, folks, uh, you've got your marching orders. If it says made in China, put it down. Put it down. Go to the next aisle. All right, coming up next, I told you, I told you it was going to happen. Headlines today. Climate change. That's why everybody's freezing, because of global warming. Give me some global warming, actually. Cal Beisner's here next. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I, I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the World's Foremost Violator of Religious Freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. 
Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. So good you, uh, so good to have you with us today. Glad you joined us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Now, I, uh, I said this was going to happen. I said that the, the left was going to somehow say that these winter storms that has a large portion of America freezing, uh, record-setting temperatures, that this was the result of global warming. And, 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 and I'm not going to say it was a coordinated effort in response, but it sure looks like it. Headline in the AP today, climate change. U.S. needs to brace itself for more deadly storms. Why? Because of climate change. Now, the White House asked about this uh, because a number of elected officials and others have been saying, look, we are over-reliant upon renewable energy that, you know, when push comes to shove, it's great to have, but you can't have it as your main source of energy. It's not reliable. You've got to have reliable sources of energy. Well, the White House pushed back Wednesday on claims made by conservative politicians and pundits blaming renewable energy sources for widespread power outages in Texas in the wake of this week's unprecedented winter storms. Now, this is coming from Yahoo News. Asked to comment on former Energy Secretary Rick Perry's assessment that too much reliance on wind and solar power was at least partly responsible for the blackouts that have left millions of Texans in the dark, the White House press secretary said the opposite was true. And then, of course, uh, Yahoo News goes to the definitive source of information on climate change. One of the authors of the Green New Deal, AOC, weighed in on uh, Governor Abbott's similar claim, saying, this is uh, AOC, climate scientists warned that extreme winter storms like the one that has crippled much of the nation this week are likely to continue for decades, even as the planet continues warming. That only makes sense on Instagram. Joining me now to talk more about this is our good friend, Dr. Cal Beisner. He is the founder and national spokesman for the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. Cal, welcome back to the program. Tony, thanks very much. Great to be back with you. Uh, I have been in Oklahoma throughout this period and uh, have experienced this amazing cold. Uh, so uh, it's, it's been fun. You know, Al Gore had a whole bunch of his speaking engagements years ago, canceled because of unexpected you know, severe snowstorms and the like. Well, I was doing a bunch of speaking engagements here and had them canceled for the very same reason. 
in my case, it's not it's not uh, terribly surprising. He was telling us though that uh, we would not have any more such letter. <laughs> so it kind of yeah, it's interesting. Kind of went we, I recall. It's been a few years back, but I think it was a couple of times. Uh, there were it, this was back when they were called global warming, and they've changed it now to climate change. Yeah. But I stick with the original term um, because it really just allowed them to be poked. We could poke fun at them more easily when they're talking about global warming, and they had to shut down hearings on Capitol Hill because of snowstorms. Yeah. So, look, yeah. there's no question. There's no question. And you, and you don't challenge the fact that the climate is changing. The issue is what is causing the change. Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, in fact, I don't even challenge the, uh, the claim that human emissions of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases probably contribute to some climate change. We know that we've affected climate change on local and regional levels for a long time by changing uh, you know, changing uh, infrastructure, uh, building homes, putting down blacktop, things like that, uh, farming and so on. That all affects local and regional climate. And I'm even happy to say, yeah, probably our addition of CO2 and other greenhouse gases to the atmosphere makes the world a little warmer than it otherwise would be. But I am totally convinced that it's, you know, the emphasis is on little, <laughs> a little warmer, right. uh, mild to moderate, and certainly not catastrophic and not justifying spending trillions and trillions of dollars trying to stop it. Uh, when instead we can adapt uh, at a far lower cost and save a whole lot of lives and lift billions of people out of poverty. I mean, Cal, is there not a trade-off for everything? When when we look at the fact that man has occupied the planet, yes, it's going to it's it's made animals kind of move out uh, because the people have taken over. Uh, when you when you've got people present, it's going to change the environment. But energy, when we're talking yeah. about a reliable energy source, and I'm not against renewables. I think they're great. If we can use them, let's let's put them into the mix. But when we're talking about like this administration shutting down the pipeline, the Keystone Pipeline, uh, stopping the fracking, um, and what we're doing is driving up energy cost, which affects disproportionately uh, people of lower incomes and has a global effect. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what we're going to see is over the short term, as uh, Biden's policy has restricted uh, the drilling on federal lands, that's going to drive up oil and natural gas prices here in the United States. It's already done so significantly. And frankly, a lot of oil and gas companies love that. But over the long term, what Biden wants to do is to eventually freeze those out completely, to end all that production here in the United States anyway, in pursuit of fighting global warming. Well, that is going to hurt those very companies and, of course, all of the millions and millions of stockholders in those companies. That's going to impoverish people all over. But the, the really bad thing is that this kind of policy pursued around the world to fight global warming is going to slow, stop, or reverse the climb out of poverty for billions of people. Uh, and uh, as Christians who, who care much about the poor and, and remember that Jesus said that he came to that the, uh, the gospel might be preached to the poor, well, part of good news for the poor is you don't have to stay poor forever. You can grow out of it, but that's not going to happen if the world pursues the, the uh, quixotic quest against climate change. 
And, and just uh, last last question, because we're almost out of time, but it, this is uh, taking on climate change is one of those things that you can't really measure success. So it gives politicians the ability to ask for more and more power because we can never measure what they've accomplished. Yeah, well, actually, Tony, we can do a little measuring. Uh, we can we can project very well based on their own assumptions what the Paris Climate Agreement would achieve. That would be three tenths of a degree Fahrenheit temperature reduction in 2100. We can also project based on their own assumptions what it'll cost: about 23.3 to 46.6 trillion dollars per tenth of a degree temperature reduction. That's insane. Yeah, and it won't make much of a difference in August in Louisiana. Um, Cal Beisner, except my wallet will be a little thinner. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, great to talk with you. You too, Tony. God bless. All right, folks, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. Put another log on the fire. Coming up next, I I hate to say we told you so, but we're going to talk about schools next. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, all of you listeners in Ohio, especially those listening on WWGV, that's 88.1 WWGV in Ohio, uh, pay close attention to this next story because you're going to have some homework. Now, we we discussed this a few weeks ago here on Washington Watch, how there's this new... um, strain of civics that's coming into classrooms. It sounds good. We want our kids to know about government, but it's 
it's part of the leftist agenda to turn our children into activists for the left. Case in point is what's happening in Hillard, Ohio, where the school, the vice principal, instructed teachers uh, to have students actually showing them a video, giving them information on how to lobby the city council on a sexual orientation and gender identity bill. This is uh, one of those bills that policies that once it's passed, it opens up women's restrooms to men, uh, women's um, shelters. Men have to be admitted uh, if they say that they're women uh, and, and, and so much more. Uh, join me now to, uh, to talk about this and what you can do is Aaron Baer. He is the, uh, the president uh, of the Center for Christian Virtue in Ohio. Aaron, welcome to the program. Tony, great to be back with you. So um, I, I think I set the stage a bit, but please fill in with more details and what people can do there in Ohio to make a difference here. Yeah, absolutely, and, and Tony, I, I can't thank you enough for bringing, uh, uh, for shining a spotlight on this. And, and what I think is important about this is, this is one of those times where we caught this. You know, we we know this is happening all over the place, and this was one of those times where a teacher actually forwarded the internal communication over to us, but was themselves is, is afraid to go public with this. And we've now heard from multiple teachers in the school district saying the same thing uh, because they're afraid of retribution by the administration. Um, and, and, you know, how often are these things happening that never see the light of day? Uh, but what, what we have seen here, uh, and you and I see, uh, unfortunately, with our jobs, we, we see some of the worst of culture and the worst of society. This one really floored me because uh, I've never seen this before, where teachers were given a mandate uh, to, to, tell, to tell teachers, to tell students to write letters and take the letters to the, the main office to be delivered to the city council in support of the SOGI bill. What really gets me on this one, too, is, uh, you know, not only are they making, turning students into lobbyists, using taxpayer dollars to, to force teachers to do something that violates their conscience and students to do the same, uh, but they're not even telling students what they're really advocating for. As you, you highlighted rightfully there, the, the, the implications of this bill for women's privacy and the safety of children uh, are, are massive, and the, the teachers and the, the script that they were given, literal a, a literal script that they were given to read uh, to students says nothing about uh, the implications of this bill. And so right now, the best thing for people to do uh, is to start uh, emailing and calling the district and tell them that this is unacceptable, that they need to re- repeal this order to teachers and apologize to the teachers and students for the intimidation that they're forcing upon them. Has the school administration made any comment yet about this now that it's uh, been made public? At this point, we have not heard officially from them. We know uh because of the, the action alert we sent out, and I cannot thank uh, Family Research Council enough uh, for uh, for your work. And, 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 Tony, let me just say, having had the privilege of working with you all for a number of years now, there is no national organization with the size and scope of FRC that when crisis breaks on the local level, is quicker to jump in than FRC. And for that, I will always be thankful uh, for, for your all willingness to, to use your tremendous resources to get the word out and get people activated. So thank you for that. Uh, oh, but, Aaron, well, we, 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 we're glad to do it. It's, it's important that this information that you've made public, in fact, I, before we run out of time, I want to let people know, you can go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. We've got a link up there and how you can communicate 
Um, and your website as well is is linked at TonyPerkins.com. But go ahead and give it out so people will know it. And if they forget it, they can go to TonyPerkins.com. For sure, yeah. Either TonyPerkins.com or CCV.org, CCV.org. It's on our front page right now. Uh, and they can see the emails and the phone number for, for the school district and the superintendent in particular, uh, who in, in, in previous statements has been really uh, brazen about uh, flaunting parents' rights and, and pushing agenda-driven politics on students. Uh, and they need to understand people are watching. And, and I'll say this is the reason why we need school choice and why when we talk about school mm-hmm. choice, it's not just for low-income kids. Uh, the worst of this curriculum is happening in, in a lot of the wealthier school districts, and those families need an option to get out to and hold these schools accountable. You're absolutely right. We were just discussing that a couple of weeks ago with an affluent school district in Iowa uh, where this uh, radical agenda has been uh, is being pushed. Uh, Aaron, uh, thanks so much for bringing this to our attention, and uh, we will continue to alert people and encourage all of our listeners there in Ohio to respond to this. Thanks so much for joining Thank us. Thank you, Tony. Yes. All right. And, and, folks, if you're in Ohio, you've got homework. Uh, go to the website, follow the links over, and communicate with these school board members. Also, the rest of you, if you get this type of information, you find out this is happening, maybe you're a teacher out there, we get this from time to time, well, let me know. We'll drop a spotlight on these activities and help raise awareness and pushback. Also, Maybe, maybe we need more people running for school boards across America to make sure this type of stuff doesn't happen in America's classrooms. Go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. You can also email me, Tony at TonyPerkins.com. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at the worldview of the Joe Biden voters. George Barna is here next as we look at what they think about the Bible. What do they think about truth? Does it exist? George Barna joins me for an enlightening conversation next here on Washington Watch. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, 
Completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Worldview, something we uh, talk about quite a bit on this program, because I think as, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, as we spend time in his word, and I do hope you spend time in his word. In fact, you've, I haven't said anything about it in a while, but we have a two-year Bible reading plan called Stand on the Word, and it's uh, we're into the second year, and I would highly recommend that you join us in this. It's very easy. It's 15 minutes a day, max. Uh, you can actually down, download the, the, the reading program. It's all laid out for you. You can go to frc.org slash Bible. We've got thousands of people that are joining us in this reading. In fact, every uh, morning, Monday through Friday, I'll do a uh, a brief, brief, uh, I don't know, seven, eight to ten minute uh, devotional on the reading. It's uh, I'm doing it right now on Facebook. We're soon going to be doing it at TonyPerkins.com. Uh, but that's at uh, 8.05 Eastern time every morning if you'd like to join me for that. But I think it's important because uh, as Christians we want to, we, we integrate our faith with our public walk. I, I think that's how God wants us to be. We're not uh, compartmentalized or segmented in our approach to the world and to life. It should be all integrated. Our faith should direct what we do. And that's important. It, it, it instructs how we vote. In fact, we've had the term, and I'm going to talk with my next guest about this, we used the term uh, SAGECON, spiritually active, governance-engaged conservative. We really come to our political engagement from our faith. You know, everything kind of is driven by our faith, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've, we've talked, uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the sage cons and their support for Donald Trump in this last election. Uh, the sage cons, which are 
about 9% of the population, 14% of voters in the 2020 election, and they were roughly 30% of the vote for Donald Trump. And here's the astounding percentage of turnout. 99% of them turned out. That's unprecedented. There's no other uh, segment of society that votes at such a high rate. So I commend you, because most of you who listen to this program are SageCons. Well, now the uh, really the, the sage of SageCons joins me now, George Barna. Uh, George, uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. Uh, George is the director of research at the Cultural Research Center, and they did a lot of follow-up polling and surveys after the election. And, of course, George uh, coined the term SageCon uh, several years back. Uh, but I, I, today, not so much talking about the SageCons, uh, Sage Barna, but talking about um, the worldview of voters, in particular those of Joe Biden. What did you find out? What, what really makes the voters of Joe Biden tick or not tick? Well, the thing that makes them tick certainly is not the Bible and certainly not the God of Israel. You, even though you find that two out of three of them consider themselves to be Christian, we find that they are not theologically conservative. They admit, six out of ten of them roughly admit that they're not deeply committed to practicing their faith. Only about one out of every seven of them would be considered born-again Christian from a theological perspective, not self-identification, but based on what they believe. But we look at the fact that seven out of ten of them do not believe that the Bible is the actual or inspired Word of God and is accurate in what it teaches to us. And about three out of four of them would say that they get their moral guidance from sources other than God's Word. So it's these kinds of things, and there's a longer list of things that we discovered in the research about them, spiritually speaking. But by and large, this is one of those groups that considers itself to be uh, you know, spiritual but not religious, which I believe is kind of another way of saying life is about me. I'm basically a good person. There's no overarching spiritual power that I respond to because I have the truth within me, and you can't tell me otherwise. Well, to unpack those uh, percentages that you, you just gave out, one that stuck out to me was the fact that 75% of those who supported Joe Biden believe there is no absolute moral truth. So in, in their eyes, identifying moral truth is up to each individual. There are no moral absolutes that apply to everyone all the time. I mean, this immediately coming to mind is uh, the Old Testament, one of the verses in the Old Testament, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's exactly what we see as part of the agenda for a lot of these people. They don't want any kinds of parameters or limitations placed upon them because they're essentially operating as their own God. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because, of course, most of these people have kind of a, a Marxist perspective, or at least we can say they're, they're more comfortable with socialism than most Americans. And, of course, one of the tenets of Marxism is there is no God. And what happens in a Marxist society is that government is the substitute for God. It's the elites in the government who make the decisions for the ignorant proletariat. And uh, what happens is 
you have to take your marching orders from the government. They were voted into power. That government was voted into power by a group of people who were saying, but wait a minute, I want to be the dictator of my own life. I don't necessarily want somebody else doing that. So it's going to be interesting to see how that tension plays out over the next two or three years where you have a government that's trying to amass more power, make more of the decisions for people, remove more of the people's freedoms, and the people who voted them into office to say, wait a minute, I thought I was going to get more freedom because there would be fewer restrictions. You know, it, it would be basically whatever I wanted to do. So I, I think that's one of the tensions that we'll be looking at. So, uh, George Barnard, that would that that explains why if if they identify as Christian, I think it's sixty five percent consider themselves to be Christian, but they're okay with Joe Biden's policies on abortion, which he's pushed uh, big time and forcing taxpayers to fund it, his whole LGBTQ agenda, forcing that on schools across America and our military. They're okay with that because they don't see the Bible and the Word of God as providing any standard of truth or standard of conduct, of moral conduct, that we are held accountable to. Yeah, absolutely true, Tony. I mean, these people, by and large, from what we can tell from the research, they believe that the information given to us in the Bible is simply a reflection of ancient cultural wisdom. It's not supernatural provisions so that humanity can thrive. It's simply a bunch of stories from the old days, and you can take what you want from it. It's a group of people who, by and large, say, yes, there is no absolute moral truth. There is truth, but the truth is personal. Truth is subjective. Truth is circumstantial. Truth is changing. And so what happens is that, you know, these things are constantly changing to fit their current need and their inner perceptions, but there are no absolute standards of truth that exist that cover all people at all times. But the media, as they have latched on to uh, and tried to promote this, and of course the, the Biden campaign tried to promote it in the campaign, that they had support of Christians even using the term evangelical. And that's why it's important that we work with accurate definitions because only 15%, as I read your survey, only 15% of those Biden supporters identify as born-again believers. Well, they wouldn't even identify as born-again. That's based on our research where we will categorize people as born-again or not based upon what they believe related to salvation. So the people that we place in that category are ones who say that when I die, I know that I will go to heaven but only because I've confessed my sins and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. So nationally, that number is about 30 to 31 percent. With the Biden support base, it's about half that number, 15 percent. And, you know, so we're in a situation here where, yeah, the media is, the, the mainstream media in particular, is clueless about how the religious world works because most of them don't participate in religious activities, they don't pay attention to it, they're not trained in it, and so they misreport things all the time. But what you find with this group of individuals who call themselves Christian, but they're certainly not born again, only about one out of four of them, a little less than that would be, what we find is that one of their frequent activities is what you might call reframing, where they will take language 
that's popular, particularly religious language, and they'll give it new definitions. And so you see that happening with sexuality, you see it happening with family, you see it happening all over the political arena, and, and now it's happening also in the religious arena. So, George Barna, in your survey and looking at the Biden voters, were did you under, uncover anything that was really surprising where you said, wow, I didn't expect that? Well, I mean, there were some things that are kind of interesting. I mean, the, the fact that only three out of, well, not only, but I mean, in America, we've got about three out of ten people who fall into this category I call them don'ts. People who don't know if God exists, they don't care if God exists, or they simply don't believe that there's a God that exists. That is actually the fastest-growing, quote-unquote, faith group in America today. It's, to my knowledge, the first time that any presidential candidate has gotten the largest share of his or her vote from that particular category. 29% of the people who voted for Joe Biden are in that don't category. And so, I mean, that to me is, is pretty significant. And what you're seeing now is that a lot of those people are stepping up. They want more influence on the policy platform of the administration. They want more influence in terms of personnel within the federal government, at least. And so to see all of that happening and then to look at the policy platform, it's a little bit scary because you got people who say, yeah, but, you know, forget about this God stuff. Forget about the Bible. Forget about faith. Leave the churches closed. Take away their tax exemptions. None of that really matters. Let's get down to the things that really matter, stuff like climate control, uh, you know, funding abortions and whatnot. So as you've looked at, and I mentioned, uh, you know, before I brought you in about the sage cons, juxtaposed, which were, as I mentioned, 30 percent of Donald Trump's vote, roughly, um, juxtapose those two those two groups, what we see as the those supporters of Biden and where faith is, as opposed to those who supported Trump and more broadly Republicans, where faith plays, uh, you know, how significant of a role does faith play for them? Yeah, I mean, we're talking here about polar opposites. On the one side, on the right side of the continuum, you've got the sage cons who are driven by their faith. They're involved in politics because they believe that their faith says they have to be involved in every arena of culture in order to represent Christ well. They want to take biblical principles and, and those absolute moral truths that the Bible teaches us into every arena, whether it's family or education or politics or media. They believe that they need to be there so that God's truths are present at all times. These people are well-informed about politics because they believe that they cannot represent Jesus well unless they know what's going on. At the other side of the continuum, the left-hand side of the continuum, you've got the don'ts. People who don't know, don't care, don't believe in God. And so this is a group that's saying, how stupid is that, what these faith crimes are doing? You know, they're trying to make faith into something that it isn't. They're trying to bring faith into places where it shouldn't be. We want to outlaw faith in the marketplace. We don't want churches to have a high profile. We don't believe that the Constitution uh, really is based on religious principles. It's a living document, and the culture has changed, and therefore our interpretation of the Constitution needs to change. So we've got these two 
diametrically opposed factions that really are going to be in their own different ways at war with each other for the next three and a half plus years as we try to figure out how do we retain some semblance of the historical America and and feel good about who we are as a people and have some kind of unification process that brings us forward, even though we have such dramatically different ideas. Uh, that... Um... That looks like a big task because I don't see common ground when you can't even agree that there is truth. Well, but remember, you know, a couple of weeks ago we put out a release where we said, actually, if you look at what people want the United States to be, whether they voted for Mr. Trump or they voted for Mr. Biden, there were six particular things that everybody agreed on. And, you know, there were things like we want more manufacturing jobs. We want to get rid of the federal debt. We want to lower personal income taxes. We want more school choice. You know, those were the kinds of things that we agree on. And I think one could make an argument that if you want to build a strong nation, if you want to provide valid, legitimate leadership, you don't do it by trying to jam unpopular things down people's throats, people who don't want those things. What you do is you start with what everybody agrees with. Like, this would make a great nation. Can we do this, please? And if we still believe that this is a nation where the government is supposed to take its its lead from the people, which is the way that our nation is set up. Yeah. George, we're going to have to leave it there. That music means we're out of time, but we'll continue this conversation. George Varner, thanks so much for joining us. And, folks, thank you for joining us as well. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul. Prayed when you've prepared and taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.